Yes, yes team, welcome to another episode of the Total Mental Performance Podcast. Today's guest is one of my personal superstars. It's Keegan Hurst. Keegan is the founder of uh, PTIQ. He's the host of Happy Healthy Homo, and he's a professional rugby league player. Now, if you've come to this podcast to learn a little bit more about Keegan's story, we actually already shot that. Oh, that was about a year ago. Yeah, it? it was about a year ago, yeah. About a year ago. That's already been shot. So if you're here to, to listen to Keegan's story, head back into Apple or Spotify, scroll down, look at the first episode uh, and, and listen to that one. Today is uh, really uh, a journey, a journey that Keegan's been on here with us at TMP. Some of the emotions that he's been working through, some of the limiting beliefs. Uh, and Keegan, you actually broke a record, mate. And the record you broke is you're the first person to guess on the podcast and then come back as a client. You're the first person to do the double. So, yes, uh, I am a trailblazer. Yeah, so. that's it. And everything, <laughs> and everything that you do. Yeah, so. it's every walk of life. So uh, a huge well done. Um, so before we kick off into some questions, um, those that, that are listening and those that follow the TMP journey will know all about the TMP caps. So I often get asked for about caps. People want a cap. Can I buy a cap? Where, how can I get hold of them? Do you sell them? We do not sell the caps. You only get a cap when you graduate from the TMP Evolution Program. Or if you're a TMP coach and you've got five, I guess our equivalent of a transformation, you've, um, you've got five of those in and then you've got 10 testimonials yeah. that, are, that are all booked, done, delivered. And uh, this moment for you, mate, is you've been capped. Yes, it's my, first ever, it's my first ever cap. I never got one for England, See. so thank you, mate. <laughs> Even capped by TMP. Cap. Yeah, like so uh, there you go. Even fits my big head. So. Lovely, 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 lovely. Thank you, mate. Appreciate that. Well, it's been a lot of fucking graft, hasn't it? <laughs> it has been some graft, yeah. It's been a lot of graft. So just for those that can't, aren't going to go back to the story and they're just going to be listening to you for the first time now, if he's going to paint a picture as to who Keegan Hurst is and what he does, what does life look like for you right now? Well, right now, um, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty it's pretty full. Um, I, as you said, I, I run PTIQ, which is well, I think it's the it's the world's leading coaching service for gay men. Um, it's going to get rebranded soon. Don't worry. Uh, but yeah, that's something that I've been building for the last few years and we've we've built that out with a team we've got an amazing community i think that's what i'm most proud of with with that um so a lead a leader in there i'm i'm back playing rugby um we're going really well we're in a semi-final with a final due at wembley we're second in the league um my body's letting me know but i feel good i feel healthy um i'm in a good spot with i've got a good relationship with my partner joel my kids, I have a really good relationship with myself. Um, so yeah, life is life is good. Life is now, uh, and this is something we've discussed a lot. I'm sure we'll discuss it a bit further. Is it now feels like I'm on the front foot, like I'm I'm taking the fight to life, if if you will. Uh, you know, I'm going out and I'm getting and I'm taking rather than dodging and weaving. As a, for a boxing term for you, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ra yeah, rather than being on the back foot and and just not not because so, it's not like survive or thrive. It's not like I was surviving before, but I was. I guess I was coasting. Mm. Um, so rather than you know just doing enough and and having that sense of there could be more um, and just not living fully in line with values and who I am and what I'm about um, I, I'm not 
I'm not there now. Now I am living in line with that. Now I am making those decisions from a point of abundance. I suppose we've spoken about that a lot, haven't we? From abundance, from there's there's stuff to be had rather than what can I keep and what can I... Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, right now life is, is a hell of a lot better um, and a lot more consistent as well, not as much of an emotional roller coaster. I think that's been a, a big takeaway from going through this process is a lot more not that I was emotionally unstable but a, a lot more um just consistency across not as many fluctuations I guess yeah and a big part of consistency is the ability to ha handle and manage emotional volatility because yeah. if you're emotionally volatile you're making short-term snap decisions yeah. based on an emotion not necessarily based on logic when you can start to understand, okay, well, what was creating that that volatility and what's going on, and you have that the compound effect of that consistency, then starts to really, really, really spike. Yeah. Um, think about right at the beginning, what was it that led you to raising your hand and going, hmm, like, I'm, was you consciously aware that you were coaching? Were you unconsciously? Did you feel like something was off? How? What led to that point of going? I'm gonna drop here in a message and just explore this. Um. I think, I th yeah, I think there was a level of, I was doing, things were okay. Life was all, life was, life was good. You know, I, like I'm, I'm not here to say that life was in it. You know, I was, I was doing all right, but there was an element of could do better. And I think what I was getting into is this just cycle of, I don't want to say self-destruction because I have been in the I have been in self-destructive cycles before, you know, pre-coming out and things like that. But, so it wasn't that, but it was just like it was like I was hamstringing myself with poor decisions. So, you know, I was not. I, it wasn't like I was drinking loads, but I was drinking out of habit rather than out of choice. I was doing the bare minimum with regards to marketing posting you know with the business and yes it was growing and yes the service was really good but i knew that it could have been better so i knew there was an element of i think i don't know if it's me being me i think we all know but i certainly know because i have pushed myself whether it be physically whether it be to grow, whether it be emotionally because i've done you know lots of therapy and things like that i know when I'm not, someone once said to, I can't remember who said it, if you're not growing, you're dying. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I just felt like, I, I suppose I got to a, is this it? Is this, is this it? Um, and I knew it wasn't it. So I, obviously we've met before and obviously we've done the podcast and we, we've met the other year at Kirk's thing and obviously you, um, TMP and, and what he's doing and a friend of mine, Mark, was in the program and I, I actually reached out to Mark and I said, "What's it, well, you know, what's it been like working with Kieran?" Because see, Mark's going really well, um, and he was like, "Honestly, it's changed, it's changed my life." So I thought, "Do you know what?" For for Mark to say something like that, I was like, "It's it's worth a punt." So that's Mark Rhodes. Yeah, Mark Rhodes. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so we so then obviously reached out. Um, and then we had a chat and I'll be honest, like when I went on to the chat, I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't really know. I don't know if this is, if this is what I need. I knew that I'd, I'd done therapy. I've done lots of therapy and I'd actually started therapy again, but I remember getting on the call with uh, speaking to the therapist and 
kind of went for everything and he went you're in a really good spot like i don't you know you, you you're dealing with everything you, you you've got all your ducks in a row and I mean, fair play to him. He didn't like try and string it out to make some money. He was kind of like, I think you're in a really good spot. So I thought, I know that there's more that I can I can do. I know there's more in the tank, and but I know that I can't I don't I can't access it yet. I don't know how to do that. And I've got mentors and I've got coaches and I've got things like you know all the stuff that I would tell anybody to have. But I just thought there's there's something that there's something there. So I thought, do you know what, I'll take a punt. And we had a chat. And I remember, you know, I was having that chat and thinking, yeah, like every, I remember you talking about that, uh, the now what moment. And, you know, you get you get out of pulling yourself out of the out of the crap and you go, right, I'm all right, my head's above what, I'm all right. And and now what? Um, and that I think that, that cycle that you showed me, I was like, yeah, I don't want to be in that cycle. Mm. Um, and that and that for me was like the catalyst to go. All right, let's let's dig in. Well, what's interesting there is um, so all of us are all, all qualified in some form of therapy as as coaches at TMP, but you recognise that the, the therapist is listening to a very different pit or listening to a very different soundtrack or a very different uh, scene to what we're listening to. Yeah. So they're they're looking at okay, well, do they have coping mechanisms? Yeah. Are they safe? Are they not fucking things up? Yeah. I think that was the thing. It was like that. I don't want, this probably isn't accurate of all therapists, but in my experience of what therapy has been for me personally, it has been a reactionary thing. It's been something to help me get through something, whether it was coming out, whether it was dealing with relationships with my mom, with partner, with, you know, anger issues, whatever it was. Um, it's always been to help get back to equal, like to yeah. equilibrium, whereas, what we've done has been to go above that. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I don't know if what the crack is with all therapists. I can't speak. For, I can only speak from my own experience. But yeah, it, like you say, it was a very different conversation. Yeah, well, we're listening for performance. Yeah. The difference between therapy and performance. Therapy is what are the coping mechanisms to keep them keep that person stable. We're not looking for stability. It doesn't matter if they're at slipping and they're like, oh, things are starting to fall fall apart, or if they're at stable or if they're absolutely thriving. Our job is to move that needle forward yeah. so when i'm when i'm listening your therapist is going well he's not destroying himself this is great this is amazing yeah i'm listening and i'm going there's easily an extra 40 50 percent from this guy yeah this, this guy can perform this guy can move i know that there's more in the tank um and that's that can be quite hard to articulate because mm. a lot of people listen to tmp they see it it resonates but they don't really know well what is it like is it therapy or is it performance coaching or is it live coaching or is it is it future pacing or whatever it's actually all of it yeah a bit of everything yeah it's all of it because my view my view on coaching and and what we do is really simple we can't if we're in a place in of the now we have to go back to the past to burn off all the stuff that isn't serving us in the present but once we burn that off we can then build a, a future based on a completely different belief system and that's exactly what we did with you we went yeah. right back into okay well, what is it that's stopping you from getting to that next level? And we identified a really interesting limiting belief, which was, who do you think you are? Yeah. And that was the thing. And we're saying, well, why don't you push yourself? Why don't we come out here? It's like, wow, there's this, I don't know, there's this emotion, there's this thought that's coming up or whatever. Mm. And it was the belief of who do you think you are? Yeah. Where does that come from? I think it came from lots of things. I think growing up, 
in a northern working class town, it was very much stay in your lane, you know, t tall poppy, you know, tall poppy syndrome. You don't don't overreach. Um, everyone's happy to see you do well as long as it's not better than them, kind of thing. So there was an element of that as just an overarching theme from my general upbringing. I think coming out and being put into the limelight and having some level of notoriety or platform, however you want to word it, as an out gay sportsman and having you know a social media platform and things like that. There's this big thing at the minute, I think, in the gay community where it's like, there's a someone's to this or someone's not enough that or someone's and as if there's some like blueprint that this is a, the one way to be gay or whatever um and i think I'd, it was kind of letting that voice of there's gonna be uh you're gonna get loads of this kind of grief and um so i think there was an element of that in there um I think as well playing rugby, you know, I I make no bones about me not, you know, I'm not been a, I'm not played for England, I'm not some rugby league superstar, um, certainly not on the field, uh, but and so there's an, I think there's always been, you know, I've never done any kind of punditry. Or, I think there's always a jobs for the boys and if your face fits kind of thing. Um, so I think there's it, all those kind of things seeped into. Well, I don't want to stick my head too far above the parapet. I'd already done it, and it was like, you know, I came out and everything went well, and then I started PTIQ, and it was for gay men, and that went well. And, you know, every, everything that I'd done had gone well, and it was like, are you just riding your luck here? And at some point, uh, there's going to be like a general pushback. Mm. Um, and so it was a case of, well, I don't want to throw the throw the dice and gamble on it and, and hopes. So I think, yeah, th it was like all those mashed together. Yeah, and we pick up this belief of who do we think we are as a kid, and then what happens is we tr we find evidence growing up as to that's that's more evidence that supports that belief. There's more evidence that supports that belief. Yeah. If you think back, can you remember when that belief was born? Where that came from? I know, I know, I can when we've had this this conversation in in the work that we've done. Um, yeah, I I just think it was from you know, like I said, being a kid, be growing up. I grew up council state single single parent family um and it was very much this is this is who you are and this is what you do um and i remember once doing really well in uh uh what they call parents evening at school and I, it's weird now i think back it was my history teacher i got on really really well with who now i look back was clearly gay i didn't know at the time but i think back and it was and he obviously saw that in me as well because he was very um, he kind of took me under his wing a little bit. It was v not looked after me because I didn't need looking after, but it, it pushed me and saw that I had potential. And I remember him saying to my mum, Keegan could be anything that he wanted. It could be prime minister of the country if he wanted, if he put his mind to it. And I remember coming away from that and my mum saying, don't you think about being a politician? Um, you know, they're, they're all bad and this, that and the other. And I was like, oh, you know, someone said something yeah. really good. And then it was like, don't no, do don't, don't get, you know, don't get above yourself. Um, so yeah, I mean that was at high school, so I think it would probably come before that. But that was just a, a really good example of this like battering of don't stick your head above the parapet. Yeah, and it's those messages that we're taking as kids and as teenagers that form our belief as adults. Yeah. And it can be something as, as simple as that 
and you internalize that, which is don't get too big for your boots. Yeah. It almost turns into a fear of failure. Yeah. Yeah, but what if this happens? What if it all goes wrong? Or I shouldn't yeah. be here. That's a, that's another big belief. I shouldn't be in this position. Yeah. Who am I to say this? Who am I to do this? Who yeah, am I to yeah. push that? Absolutely. And that's all belief. Yeah. That all comes down to belief. Because if we look at the evidence, you've been successful in a number of different fields again and again and again and again. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, even with your coaching business, it wasn't like you got lucky once. No, you produce transformations again and again and mm. again and again. But that inner child, that kid that's like, oh, I don't want to come out of my comfort zone. It's always going to stay in there. It's yeah. always going to hide. And it's going back and unpacking and unpicking. Well, what is that about? And that's hard. There's some hard conversations. Yeah, yeah. Deep conversations that make you squirm and you see yeah, and you're yeah. like, am I really about to say what I'm yeah. about to say? Yeah, yeah. And, and there were tears, weren't there, in the stuff that we did. There were, you know, it was not like, but tears in the sense I don't know actually when I think back there were tears but it was I think it was from you know because a lot of the stuff that we did was speaking to that younger version of me and it was I think something that I've realised that I've tried to be as I've grown up is trying to be the person that I wish I'd have had in my life um, and I think that's a theme for a lot of people, especially people who get into coaching or mm. some kind of educational role is you, it's from a, a missing something. And so you want to give that back. Um, and I, I suppose it was, uh, I suppose the tears kind of came from, a, um, God, I wish, you know, how different could things have been? Um, you know, if, if I'd have had this kind of chat and, you know, someone had said this to me and, but then you know I'm you're grateful for all the challenges and the strength that the young me had to go through that and and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, it was it was some tough emotional work, but it was it was absolutely worth it. And off the back of that, having shifted that from that place of playing in the defense, keeping it safe, not wanting to put your head above the parapet, as we broke through that belief, what happened on the other side? What did you start to see change? Um, just. Just uh, decision making became a lot easier, you know, things like missing, uh, should I go training or not? It was just like, well, yeah, it, it, it was, just, I, I, and I, you know, I'm a professional athlete, I'm always going to train and I'm all, but it was just, rather than doing the bare minimum, it was wanting to do more than that. It was wanting to, you know, it was little things like uh, before we started working together, me and Joel had had the idea of starting the Happy Healthy Homo podcast. And then uh, I think it, it might have even been the week after that. We're like, right, let's just book a studio yeah. and get some episodes recorded. Right. And we did it. And, and how's that going? Yeah, I mean, it's charted every week in the in the education, pod, uh, education charts on Apple. Um, it's... We YouTube channel's got like fifteen thousand subscribers. Like it's it's really kicked kicked off, and you know people clamoring for season two. It's gone really really well. So yeah, and it's again. And the interesting thing is, off the back of that, there have been comments like, "Who are you to talk? Who are you to talk about it?" And I think if I'd have heard that before, you know, we'd have worked together. I'd have gone, "Oh God, yes, yeah, see, I was right. I was yeah. right." Um, whereas now, you know, it's. I'm not here to help everybody, uh, and that's okay. Like people will find their own people, um, and also people don't. People who are doing all right don't punch. You, no one punches. People, people only punch up, right? Then yeah. no one's punching down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's gone. It's gone really, really well. And uh, you know, we even on the last conversation that we had, the, the only thing that 
is going to get in most people's way. And I say this to clients all the time as well, is us. Yeah. <laughs> is, is, is us and the limiting beliefs that we have. So That's it. And it's funny because it only takes one conversation to completely change the momentum. Mm. I talk a lot about gathering momentum with clients. I've, you've probably had that a million times yeah. in texts or in messages. Momentum, momentum, momentum. Yeah. Because when you when you came in, it was defense. Right. Well, let's just sort of. I'll get it done. Yeah. It's, you don't have a hard work issue. You do get it done, but you know, there's more. There's more risks you could be taking. There's more you could be putting yourself out there. Yeah. And then you go and do that. You get a great response. Well, now you've got more momentum. Yeah. So then more opportunities start to come your way, mm. and then you've got more momentum. And it can be. And this is why we front load the program with more sessions. There's 10 sessions over four and a half months. The reason why we do one on week one, week two, week four and week six, we, we do them quite quickly. Because again, you need time to implement the work. It's not like therapy where you talk for an hour and then you're done. Yeah. There's, there's work, there's homework. Yeah. We front load that so you get that momentum. And once that momentum's going, well then any other limiting beliefs that come up, you're like, I want to jump on that. Yeah. I want to jump that because I've got momentum now. And yeah, I know yeah. that this is going to stop me from, from getting there. Yeah. And, and seeing that that trajectory is, is yeah. really flying. Well, the hardest part about pushing a car off is getting it going, isn't it? Yeah. And then once you've got that, you don't need a lot of effort then to keep it mm. going. Um, so I think, yeah, that's what that process was. It was just building that momentum and swinging the pendulum back from, like you said, defense into, into offense. Yeah. And... We also uncovered underneath a lot of that, who do you think you are, which is something that I've noticed with um, a lot of my LGBT clients, and it happens with every human being, but particularly these clients, is guilt and shame, mm. and how that had creeped into your belief about what you were capable of. Where did that come from, and talk more about that? Um, yeah, I think, again, from wh when and where I grew up, growing up in the 90s in the north of England, there was no represent there was no representation there was no and again it was this is what you do this is you grow up and you get married you have kids and you'd be grateful for your lot so there was a there's an element of a, a lot of that you know cover i think so then it who a, a part of who you are and who you love and how you feel becomes like it becomes clandestine and it's so everything's secretive and there's there's yeah there was just a lot of shame around being different and not being i guess not living up to expectations uh and this and the shame and the guilt are kind of intertwined like not being and I, and i know a lot of lgbt people do this you know there's a um perfect little boy syndrome and the way they overcome where we overcompensate for what we feel is a deficiency of who we are and, w and what we are and so we over uh, we people please we overcommit. we um and so again any element of life that didn't conform to that resulted in well that's not good enough and that's and so guilt and shame um and yeah i think just yeah, just growing up with that, growing up feeling like I had to hide. And even though I came, you know, I came out. It's, it's, and I think that was the interesting thing. You know, when you come out, it's not like this is it. Everything's, mm. you know, throw, throw off the shackles kind of thing. But I think I, I, I and I think I got rid of a lot of it. You know, inter, internalized homophobia certainly. But I think the, sh the shame, the guilt of growing up getting married, having kids, 
Um, there was a, a level of guilt around that, a level of shame around that. Um, you know, shame of even though you know in the past, you know, my mum has not been necessarily complimentary about me coming out, and that's not a me problem. That's a, a, a somebody else problem. Um, I suppose you still internalise part of that. So I think that was. I knew there were elements of of it there, but I, I suppose I didn't realise how much of an impact it was having on how much it was holding me back. Because that's what that is what it was doing. It was stopping me taking those risks, putting myself out there. And again, when it comes back to the belief of who do you think you are, well, guilt and shame is the heaviest of emotions. Those are the ones that really hold us back. Mm. And one way that you know you're working in guilt and shame is when something comes up and you don't really want to say it aloud. Yeah. Something comes up and you're like, oh, my God, am I really about to, to say this? Am I really about to, to share that? But because it, it's so heavy, it permeates through your being. And from a performance perspective, you need to to go into those emotions. Mm. And a lot of people are scared to, to go in there. Yeah. But if you do what most people aren't willing to do, you'll get outcomes that most people aren't willing to get. Yeah. And those outcomes can be a number of things. It's not always just business and revenue and financial, but actually a lot of it's just fulfillment yeah. and connection and enjoying what you're doing and mm. living that true, authentic life. And that's something that I think a lot of the clients that come to us, they kind of realize that they're not living authentically. They yeah. usually realize two things. Number one, there's another level. And mm. then number two, there's another level of authenticity that they can they can get to. Yeah. What things that the things that stop us from authenticity are usually guilt and shame, fear of failure, fear of success, limiting beliefs. But when you can start to let those go, that is where you can start to be truly authentic, which is you're working and operating in line with your values. Mm. You're starting to say things that you genuinely believe. And also being in a space where you can take feedback and criticism and go, well, these are my beliefs and this is this is what I'm about. And if you disagree with that, I'm okay. And actually, you're okay. And moving on, just like yeah. you, you've been experiencing. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, that that was something that we spoke about and something that was in one of the one of the meditations was about and, and that was a word that we spoke about a lot, wasn't it? Shameless about um not about not about just who you are because i think everybody understands that we, that's what we want to work towards i think everybody understands that on some level but also being shameless which a word in itself has negative connotations don't it oh they're shameless like but you know so again switching that to you know not having any shame about what you want from your life, who you want to spend your life with, what you don't want to do. I think because, you know, so many people and, um, you know, we've had this conversation about drinking and and things like uh, there's weirdly a level of shame attached to saying, oh, I don't actually want to have a drink mm. or that's not in line with who I am. So, you know, working again, working through through that. Um, yeah, so, so really having that level of shamelessness with who I am, what I'm about, what I want, where I want to be, how I want to achieve it, what I want to do in my life, what I want to talk about, um, has been a real big shift that's, I feel has kind of opened a lot of doors, I think. Yeah, and that's my favorite word, shameless. Absolutely shameless. Because why should we operate out of shame? Yeah. Shame, fear are usually used as control mechanisms. Yeah. So if you're made feel not good enough or not worthy well then you're much more controllable mm. but if you are going to achieve freedom psychological freedom you have to operate with look i'm doing the best with what i have and what i believe is what i believe and that's okay and if you disagree with that that's fine but i'm not going to feel shame for 
what I believe. Yeah. I'm not going to feel shame for what I enjoy. And that's that's a hard thing to to break through, particularly if you're a gay man. Yeah. Because you'll have been shamed in a number of different ways, ridiculed. Yeah. So one, one of my gay friends from school just had the shit kicked out of him by 10 guys for being nothing other than gay. Mm. And if you have these experiences and these emotions and, and all of those life things that fucking kick in your ass, well, of course you're going to experience guilt. Of course yeah. you're going to experience shame. The difference is there are some that will work with that and go, fuck it. I'm not, I'm not going to live like that anymore yeah. because I deserve to work through that. And there's others that just get trapped and they yeah. just stay there. Yeah, get cowed by it. Yeah. yeah. And another point you touched on there was the, the meditations. So here's a little hack that we do here at CMP. And that little hack is we write you bespoke uh, recordings for you to listen to between sessions. And what these recordings are doing is they are getting down to the nitty gritty of your unconscious mind. And we're training your mind to look for the things that you want more of. If you want to be more calm, we're giving you things to listen to that's going to help you become more calm. If you want to be more creative, more confident, there are lines written in that in those in those scripts that we're saying. They're actually in your language, not in our language. So as a result, you're able to make big mindset shifts between sessions so it's not just you sit there for an hour and off it goes but it builds and it builds and builds and that was one thing that you were really consistent on yeah how did you find they were they were helping yeah they were good they were they they come and like you say they compound over time um and I, th I think the interesting thing was and i experienced this a couple of times in between sessions was sometimes there's and people probably feel people probably experience this and and then it would feel bad about it and i remember speaking to you about it um you would feel like a level of overwhelm like oh, i'm growing i'm moving forward this is too much and so there, there would be like this resistance oh well i don't want to do these meditations because they're actually helping me move forward which sounds really odd mm. that why if you know something's good for you why would you do it but then why do people eat crap food mm. and drink and not exercise right we even we still do stuff that's bad for us even though we, we know it because we're scared of what the stuff that's going to come on the other side of it or it feels overwhelming and i think that was a big thing that um was a big shift for me was I think, and I don't say this to sound like big-headed or anything, a lot of stuff that I've done in my life I've kind of taken in my stride. I've not really felt overwhelmed, you know. I've, there's been levels of it, but I've usually overcome it quite quickly and got on board with a program, whether it's moving up a level at, at sport, whether it's business getting bigger, whatever it might be, I've kind of taken it. But then with this, it felt there's a lot coming at me. And so I would beat myself up then, like you're supposed to have everything figured out. You're supposed to, you know, you're the guy who, um, and I remember like quite early on as having a chat about it and it, and it was like, it's not the actual issue of overwhelm, it's the relationship with overwhelm. Um, you know, ha and, that's of course you're going to be overwhelmed when you're taking on new things when you're expanding your horizons when you're doing things that you've never done before you're going to feel uncomfortable um and it's changing that relationship with that and you know giving yourself some slack so i think that was the big thing and those uh meditations really compounded in in helping overcome that even though originally they were an obstacle that was creating that they then became you know, the thing that if I didn't do, I was like, oh, shit, I need to do it. I suppose it's like when you go to the gym, you start going to the gym, you go, I don't want to go to the gym, I'm anxious. And then it goes to a point where you become anxious when you don't go to the gym. It was like that kind of thing.
And I remember um, that wasn't just in session, but that was actually between sessions. Yeah. And that was something that, that you did really exceptionally well. And any other TMP client that's listening to this, um, follow Keegan's example, which was you raised your hand between sessions. So every single client that works with us isn't just you chat for an hour, an hour and a half, and off it goes. There's actually direct support in between sessions. As a couple of times you raise your hand, and you're like, I'm, I'm stuck in overwhelm. I've got all of these things to do. I'm tired. I'm stressed, or whatever. And sometimes it is just holding up that mirror. Is it the overwhelm that's the issue, or is it your relationship with the overwhelm that's mm. the that's the issue? And sometimes this is uh, one of the biggest mistakes that that people can make in relation to overwhelm and their feelings and their emotions is they identify with those feelings and those emotions so they think that they're inherently overwhelmed itself or they think that they're not, they're not good enough itself when actually all of those thoughts and those feelings are within you you are not the thoughts and the feelings you are the space that contains those and those th those thoughts and those feelings don't necessarily have to be, be bad if you can change your relationship with those thoughts and those feelings and you can create more space what it means is instead of that crippling you and stopping you from moving forward it's the act of surrender I can feel this and still get it done. I can feel this and, and, and still be okay. I can feel this and still move forward. And that was one of the biggest shifts that I think I saw in you, yeah. was that ability to go, well, of course I'm overwhelmed. I'm fucking doing big shit. Yeah. <laughs> Why shouldn't I be overwhelmed? Yeah, because like, you know, that word surrender, there's, again, especially, it, I, I, I'm gonna make an assumption here, but I would say, especially for men, the word surrender mm. is terrifying. It is, yeah. Um, you know, to just, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean give in. It just means, it means go with something rather than against the, going with the, the, the floor rather than against it. Um, because it's just a lot easier. Yeah. And sometimes my clients can get frustrated. Like, ah, oh, you're going to tell me to surrender. I'm finding it really hard. But there's a difference between surrendering and giving up. Mm. Giving up is going, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm going to jack this in because I can't handle this or I can't do this. Surrendering is, look, I'm having a bit of a tough time right now. Well, that's okay because yeah. I'm still inherently enough and I'm still going to figure this out and I'm having a little bit of internal turmoil but doesn't 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 mean anything yeah they're just thoughts they're just feelings I am not the thoughts and I'm not the feelings I'm the space that contains those thoughts mm -hmm. and those feelings so surrendering is really letting go yeah it's letting go from all of that pressure letting go from self-judgment self-judgment is huge particularly if you're thinking I should feel I shouldn't feel like this. Yeah. Who says you shouldn't feel like this? Yeah, compared to who? Yeah, compared to what? How can you measure any of that? So the art of surrender really is going, I feel anxious. I feel overwhelmed. But that's okay. Yeah. Because I don't need to have it all sussed out all of the time. Yeah. Otherwise, life would be boring. Yeah. If you're drowned in happiness, it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. It would be boring and it would never feel as good. So as we were working through that, that, that guilt and shame, the imposter syndrome, I remember a really good exercise that we started looking at the future. We started planning that out. And then we would run into the money mindset puzzles. And it was quite interesting because you're like, yeah, things are good. Things are working. Like, we're okay. We started to paint that picture. Well, how do you want to live in the future? How don't you want to live? And what parts of you need to die in order to get there? And straight away, I don't know if you remember the moment, you went, yeah, I've got to sort out the money stuff. And I yeah. said, what's the money stuff? So tell the audience more about that. Yeah, I think I... Uh again i was always brought up like money was money was bad um people with money were either crooks or they'd conned people or they'd just been given it and they'd not worked for it and you know growing up northern working class like someone who didn't work was 
you know, unless you were doing back-breaking labour, then you were lazy. Um, so I think that, um, I think... I'd never made I'd never made a lot of money at rugby. I've never made a lot. Of, rugby league is not a very well paid sport. Um, but when I started coaching, and the, obviously the co- coaching business has been really successful, and started you know doing all right, there was an element of this must be a fluke. This is going to be over soon, so don't rely on it too much. And so I never really looked at it. You know, I'd, I'd never it'd just be it'll come in and it'll go, and it's just I don't want to de- I don't want to deal with that. Um, and so yeah, that that was like a big thing that obviously going to the next level, taking on more staff, you know, moving house, doing the things that I wanted to do within business, within personal life. That was something that I needed to not necessarily you know be better at earning it. It was just be better at managing it and understanding it, and um, and not being scared of it. I think that was the thing. It was like a, a fear of. I don't know if it was a reflection of proof that, you know, your service is valid and who you are is helping people and this is a good thing and you've been compensated fairly for it. So, you know, and that didn't correlate with, well, you're not good enough and you're not. So, you know, we're always looking for evidence to prove that we are some, you know, we are the shit things that we think we are rather than we are the good things that mm. we could be. So I think a lot of it came came from that. And... Here's something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs and coaches fall into is the concept of scarcity. That, oh, can I can I have it? Can I keep it? Do I deserve it? Is there enough to go around? Have I just gotten lucky? Oh, is it all going to come crashing down? Like that, that's a constant fear that a lot of entrepreneurs and, and coaches experience. And sometimes it can just be the relationship with money. And I always ask this question, and I'm going to ask you now, let's see what comes up. When I say the word money, what three words come up in your head? Um, now, opportunity, freedom, um, yeah, opportunity, freedom, um, like growth, like being able to help people, I guess, and reinvest it into the business and making it bigger and better. But I think when we originally spoke, it was like worry. Uh, it was, it was worry. It was fear anxiety um money equals money equal problems in mm. in my mind yeah and now that you've shifted that how much better is that as an entrepreneur as a coach as a leader as a father yeah it just it makes it, uh, th- this is going to sound like i'm really like flashing it around but i'm not like now i actually have savings <laughs> now i have savings like i was just li- it would come in and i would go i'll just buy something that i didn't need mm. Um, or pay over the odds for something that I didn't need to pay for the odds. Like I had a big, I, I went through a phase where I buy, you know, expensive clothes and it had to be branded stuff and I justified it to myself. Well, I never had this when I was growing up yeah. and, I, you know, so I'm going to, whereas it was just really an excuse to get rid of the money, which I know that, you know, in a cost of living crisis sounds really, but it was, whereas now I'm like, do you know what? You can save money, like it's okay to, to be there. It's, um, so yeah, it's just, and obviously then that means, right, well, we can reinvest that into bringing in more coaches. We can help more people. We can do, you know, and, and again, it all stemmed from that. Well, who do you think you are? And this is like, it's stay where you are. Well, here's a fascinating thing. If you have, if you don't feel like you're worthy of money, you end up spending it. 
because oh, I can't possibly keep it. It's got to go. And on a con- conscious level, that can that can happen. Ah, oh, yeah, but I'm not the sort of person that makes money. Well, who says that? Yeah. You're the sort of person that, that, that says that. Or, oh, I make lots of money, but I can't keep it. If you're in that space, usually it comes back to your relationship with it. And it's so interesting to hear the language of today, abundance, freedom, growth. Whereas it's before, money equals problems, mm. stress, anxiety, worry. Yeah. And I do think if you if you want to achieve psychological freedom, money's a big part of that because you have to change it. It's not the money that's the issue. Don't get me wrong. If if you don't have enough cash, then that's that's genuine scarcity, not perceived scarcity. But if you're a, a coach or an entrepreneur that's in a place where you've got savings and you're in a good spot, yet you're still panicking all the time, well, you're never going to be free because you're a slave to essentially that that thought process of money equals scarce, money equals isn't enough. And when you remove the emotion from it, you start to be much more clever with it because you start to understand, well, actually, this is just a tool. This isn't a metric of my success or validation or mm. anything like that. It's merely a tool that, that helps me go from here to here. And and that's it. Yeah. That's it. So if you was going to paint, if you was going to put Keegan, who you used to be before having done this work, because a lot of coaches get worried about this work. They think, oh, is it going to actually slow me down instead of speeding me up? Is, I'm not sure if that's the right time or whatever. Mm. But I think that's because sometimes they can't necessarily see the result because it's a little bit, it's not like come to me and you're going to get a six pack. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's no, you know, take your shirt off. Oh my God, here's the, here's yeah, the result. Yeah, you can see the changes. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to describe, okay, so this was Keegan at the beginning of the process and, and, and those, those few weeks and, this is where I am now. What would you? How would you describe them too, and what the key differences are? Um, I think probably the biggest difference is that change in, and and there's we've spoken about this a lot, haven't we? There's a difference between knowing something intellectually and then feeling it emotionally. And I know that you're supposed to operate from abundance. There's more like we, we've all we've all we all know that, um, but I don't think I felt I didn't feel it on an emotional level. So. Um, I think the big difference is, you know, for instance, we had last last month, we had a really good month financially, really good. This month has been a bit slower. And I think once upon, like, if that had happened, I'd have gone, oh, God, oh, God, mm-hmm. all the wheels are coming off. Whereas now I've gone, right, well, it's an opportunity for us to dig down into systems. It's going to come. It'll be all good. It happens. So I think just the level of, less worry like a worry less uh, which frees up a lot of mental bandwidth i think um, rather than operating at second gear and and chugging along and needing to you know the being more there i can shift through the gears um and also i can shift down as well like i've been on holiday i went on holiday um in the time that we were working to we've worked together and i went away for two weeks and i did no work I did no work whatsoever, and that was the first time I'd done that in two years. Um, and I came back, and guess what? The wheels hadn't fallen mm. off. Everything was fine. Um, and actually, everybody was glad that I'd taken time off, you know, clients and staff. So, um, yeah, so I just think it's it's just freed up a lot of mental bandwidth. It's freed up a lot of, yeah, I can, I, I, again, it's something that you've you actually said to me, and I thought, yeah, that is true, is I, I've always known there's more in the tank and now it's a case of right. Well, let's implement then, and let's action that. Um, so it's it's making. Yeah, I'll do that someday. I'll do that someday. To well, let's do it now then, um, and and bring in the future forward. I guess. And what would you say the tangible benefits now 
as to how you're experiencing life and your leadership and how you're doing everything, having done the the TMP process, what would you say? You know what these these points here, I would say, are the are the top ones for me. Um, I would just say I I've got a lot more clarity on where the business is going, where I am, how I want to operate, what I want. Um, I am. Um, I'm happy to cast things off that don't serve me anymore rather than cling on to them. So it's not slowing me down. Um, I lead better. I think I have a better relationship with with myself, with my partner, with uh, my business. I would say discipline is better. You know, just in my general standards are better because it's like, is this in line with, is this how the person that I want to be at? behaves or is it is it not and it's a very it's a very simple makes decision making very simple it's either a yes or it's a no so there's your answer um and and just i yeah i just feel uh, i suppose it might feel seem a bit woo wah but i just feel a lot lighter like and i and i think you know you probably hear this people say this and i've always thought yeah you don't really feel like that but you know, if the wheels all came off tomorrow and I had to start again, I'd feel really confident that I can do that yeah. and that I, you know, be in a good spot. Um, so yeah, there's, I suppose it's a, a a real solid belief in, you know, I'm all right with with who I am. I remember when we we spoke, part of the homework was I wrote a letter to like a, a younger version of of me, and at the end of it, I, I wrote, uh, you know, I love you, Keegan. Um, which kind of, kind of making me feel a bit emotional mm. even just saying it, and um, and I I think for the first time in I don't know maybe ever that I you know that's how I would genuinely feel that I do like myself, love myself, and I'm in a good spot. Yeah, it's powerful, isn't it? Yeah, it's powerful. And often, again, there's there's a, there's levels of of work. Therapy is about coping, but this is about well, how can I get somebody to fucking operate. How can I get so much backing and belief and self-love? And the word of self-love gets thrown around a lot. Yeah. When you get to a place where you can look at that younger you, those parts of you you don't like and say, I love you, mate. Yeah. I still love you. That is world-class level of, of backing and, and belief. And, and now it's a place of cultivating that and, and remaining on that on that path. And, and you're on it. So yeah. it's exciting. Um, what would you say to anybody that's on the fence at TMP? They've been thinking about it for a while. They've almost reached out. They haven't done it. What would you say to them? Well, I'd, I'd I'd just say reach out. I mean, I'd just say what's all you end up doing is having a chat at first, anyway. So you know, it's not like you're cornered into anything. But and and for me, that that was what it was. I I wasn't particularly expecting to jump on board. I just thought I'm gonna have a chat. And when I had that chat, we you know we got on really well. We we connected, and I thought, yeah, Kieran can help me. And if you feel like that, then I would say go for it. If you don't don't like you'd be all right um but i think if you want to operate at a higher level um and just clearing out a lot of baggage you know clear room for good stuff um and if you're ready to do that and you might not be ready to do it if you're not ready to do it don't do it but you know go 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 for it what's what's the worst that could happen what would you say to i want you to look back to keegan right before he stepped onto that that first call with me what would you say to him, knowing what you know now? Uh, thank you for <laughs> for reaching out and taking a punt, and um, yeah, well well done for putting in the graft. Um, 
because it is work. Like I'm not going to sit here and it's not like you talk to me for an hour and then I go, yeah, I feel <laughs> healed. Bro. Yeah, it's work. So yeah, I'm really I'm really grateful to that version of me that that did that. Yeah, amazing. Well, look from from my side, mate. It's been uh, been an honour coaching you and looking into what's coming up over the next few months. I'm very very excited. I think there's completely new leagues and new levels to to come, and hopefully you can see what I see or you're starting to see what I see but I truly believe there's an absolute tsunami of change coming yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm really excited so thank huge you, thank you for, uh, for coming on board for not just the podcast but working with me it's been an absolute pleasure so far no thank you mate I appreciate it um, yeah teamwork like you say teamwork makes yeah. the dream work that's it so where can everyone find you uh, find me on uh, Instagram Twitter TikTok, it's all like Keegan Hurst. There's not many of us. Or check out Happy Healthy Homo podcast on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Amazing. Keegan, mate, thank you so much. Team, please do give us a share of this podcast. We're trying to take this out to as many people as we can. Ultimately, we believe that ambitious minds should be able to achieve psychological freedom, not the absence of suffering, the ability to suffer and still get shit done, the ability to still feel enough and worthy through challenge and the setbacks. Um, so that that's us. If you put it into your stories, do give us a tag. Please like, share, subscribe, and uh, we'll see you all in the next episode. Big love. So that's us for today, team. I want to say a huge thank you for spending this portion of your life listening to us. A couple of things before you disappear. If you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find all of our daily content on mindset and hitting peak performance at Total Mental Performance or our website, www.totalmentalperformance.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You'll find us on Spotify, uh, the Apple Podcasts, and all the other various different platforms. Big love. Thank you ever so much. And we're looking forward to speaking with you soon.